the quality control from the teams that are working on site is one of the most important things that they can provide. It's not the duty of the property manager or maintenance supervisor to follow the vendors around, making sure that the work is done well and accurately. It's on the vendor themselves. We have our own responsibilities that we have to take care of, and we're contracting this out to get one more thing off of our plate. We're trusting that this is going to be done well. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by Nolan Consulting Group. My name is Molly Nolan, and I'm back today as your episode host with a new voice to the podcast. I had the pleasure to sit down with the newest member of the Nolan Consulting Group team, business coach Vince Christie. Vince comes to NCG with an extensive background in the property management world and gives us an inside look at the industry, from the roles and responsibilities to recommendations and strategy that contractors should be using when looking to maintain and grow new relationships. This was a fun episode. I personally love learning about different job responsibilities and perspectives, especially when we learn how intertwined all of our worlds are. And if you're anything like me, you'll leave this episode looking at the property management world with a whole new lens. Today's episode of Out of the Hourglass is sponsored by Groundwork. Contractors all over the country are using Groundwork to get more wins without the runaround. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Out of the Hourglass podcast. Today, I have Vince Christie with me. Vince, how are you? Hey, Molly. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Vince is a new voice to the podcast, as well as a new member of the Nolan Consulting Group coaching team, which is fantastic. I know many of you listeners um, who work with us have had the opportunity to either see him on calls, connect with him at the Grand Summit, uh, just, you know, he's been around, he's been, he's been floating, um, which is great. He's, he's, uh, he's getting into the NCG way. Vince, tell us a little bit about you, your past and what brought you to NCG. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, some of our summit members might recognize my voice from my karaoke exploits at the Grand Summit. Oh gosh, yes. It's good time. (laughs) Uh, But my, my role here with NCG is a business coach. Uh, I was brought on earlier this year in 2021. Prior to that, I spent 12 years in the property management industry across uh, hotels and apartment communities. Uh, It's a point of pride for me. I worked my way up from the bottom, held pretty much every role in that field from front desk agent to maintenance tech, night auditor, front desk supervisor, and then assistant property manager and property manager. That's awesome. I know that's not an easy an easy job to be in because you are balancing and wearing a whole lot of hats. And no so we're going to, we're going to dive into that a little bit today. And hence the reason why Vince is joining us today on this podcast is because we're talking about working with property managers, tips on building and maintaining the relationship, understanding the role of the property manager, what they're responsible for, you know, both from a vendor side and then a, a, a client side, their clients being their residents. Um, And how as contractors, there's an important role that you play um, in helping the PM do their job right. And if the the PM isn't getting what they need from you, 
um, you're probably not going to be a partner with them anymore. So our, our goal here and that is, you know, to really help uh, our listeners and contractors understand uh, how best to maintain these relationships. And if you're in business development or a prospector, um, how you can get in and some tips on starting to uh, prospect with PMs in your area. Uh, but before we do that, Vince, give me a little bit um, more about the property manager role. What types of properties have you managed? And then what were the primary functions of the role that you played? Sure. Um, in the hotel industry, I was in two different hotels, um, one being uh, for two and a half years, the Washington Duke Inn and Golf Club in Durham, North Carolina, um, and apartment communities. I was, uh, I actually had to sit down earlier this week in preparation for this podcast and list them all out. Uh, I've been at 10 different apartment communities wow. uh, in, in some capacity. Uh, eight of those, I was in a management role, um, squeezed a lot of experience in, into those 12 years. Uh, when I was with the regional company, the Galman Group, I was kind of their unofficial fixer. Um, phenomenal boss, Brian Paul, shout out to Brian. Um, he would move me around to different properties that needed some love, needed some sales, needed some organization. Um, I would get them occupied, drop their delinquency and move on to a new community. Um, so it's a, a really good experience bouncing around uh, to all those different properties. At would, longest, go ahead. would we call that the Vince Christie effect? Like, I, I think we could brand it that, right? Okay. All right. Rub, Why not? Rub some, rub some positive funk on it. Absolutely. Hopefully I can uh, do that for our clients as well. Um, but I, I've worked in all types of properties. Uh, they ranged in size and class of property. So for people that's unfamiliar with apartment communities have classes D through A. Okay. Uh, D being relatively low price point, usually around $650 to $700 for a one bedroom. Class A being pretty expensive, you know, $1,500, $1,700, $2,000 a one-bedroom. Um, and it just kind of naturally progressed that my first community was a, was a DC property. And my most recent community was a Class A property and, and firmly in the middle of Class A price point. Um, smallest property that I had ever managed was 149 units and my largest was 511 Certainly different challenges with size of property, size of residents that you have to deal with. Um, just everything scales up when you're, when you're dealing with that many units. Absolutely. Can, and I know you mentioned you work with um, hotels, hotel properties as well. Just from your own experience, what did you enjoy more being a property manager for hotel properties or for apartments? Awesome question. Uh, the difference between hotels and apartment communities, I've always felt very limited. It's just how long people are staying. You, uh, you want to stay a day or a week, you're going to go to a hotel. You want to stay a couple of months or a year, you're going to go to an apartment community. Um, Enjoyment-wise, the interactions with your guests and your residents was always a positive and, and a negative sometimes, but mm -hmm. the positive interactions and knowing that knowing that you're creating a really awesome place to live for your residents in, in terms of the apartment communities role mm -hmm. is, is something that 
gives back to them every single day. And they're going to, they're going to feel that. So true to, to create an, in a community or an environment where they, they love where they live. Oh, no doubt. It's, and I, I actually love, I love the background on the different classes. Um, I didn't really realize that before. And now I, I feel like I, maybe I'm not the only one. I hope not, but like I can, I'm now thinking about where I live and the different apartment communities around me. I'm like, oh, that's probably a class A versus that one down the street's probably a class D. And making sense now why of why the different prices, the perks that you get from a class A, the, the amenities that are involved in a class A building versus a class D, um, hence why the price is more. But I think that's interesting, especially from a vendor side, what classes of properties are you looking to go after? And I think it's an important kind of uh formula to be including um, in your kind of in your strategy. You hit the hit, nail on the head. That is exactly what you need to be looking at. You don't want to go to some podunk, rinky dink, you know, community that's probably only going to give you a couple thousand dollars per month. Right. You want to go. It's definitely something that I can't turn off at this point when I'm driving down the highway, I see different communities. I'm, I'm projecting what they're going through right now. And yeah. When I, go to, when I go to hotels, I see wallpaper ripping off the wall or sconces crooked. I'm like, oh. I know. Probably it, it grinds your gears. It really, <laughs> it really grinds does. your gears. Um, good. So that, that's some good, some good basic uh, background. Now, the primary functions of the role. Um, so what were you responsible for in this position? Of course. If you had to boil it down to one primary goal, it was to achieve the highest net operating income per month. Okay. For reference point, my most recent property, we did roughly 600,000 in revenue a month. Our, our net operating income goal was about 440,000. So really good return after expenses. So outside of, of that, that operating income goal, um, you were also, you know, you're focused on occupancy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you, if you had to, to dive that down into different categories, it would be occupancy, team management, the building management, your resident management, vendor management, and financial reporting, really. Um, if, we're, if we're talking teams, you, know, you got to get their training, get their meetings, set up their org structure, define their roles, I always felt like this was a great opportunity to find your team's strengths, play, play your team to their strengths. It gets the best out of them overall. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the building management, you know, constant repairs, scheduling preventative maintenance, any capital project improvements that you're doing on property, making sure your rental licenses are in place, your pool certifications, your fire certifications, making sure your signage is lit and, and clean. Um, if we're talking residents, it would be keeping your delinquency down, making sure your collections are great, um, doing any court filings, resolving resident disputes, you know, walking in on Monday, hey, my neighbor's being loud. Well, <laughs> all <Yeah>. right. <laughs> How do you, uh, like you're, you become a mediator at that point. <laughs> you really do. So you got to send violations. And then on more positive side, you, you host resident events. Now, the resident events are definitely more of a class B, class A item, mm -hmm. but uh, you got to put on a good show regardless. Uh, in terms of vendors, uh, you know, if you're doing any CapEx subcontractors, the capital expenses uh, projects, it's 
not going to be an in-house item most of the time. You're going to have crews working on that. Uh, and then a, a project manager is going to report to the property manager. Um, also scheduling apartment turns, you know, coordinating with painters, floors, cleaners, you know, the deliveries, uh, and then financial reporting. For me specifically, most recently, you know, there was weekly financial reporting on our sales, leads, one, our trending occupancy, current expenses. And then on a monthly basis, we were looking at profit and loss variance reporting uh, that our executive team looks at. I mean, so your, your hands are really in the mix of it all. And if I was to guess, um, no day was like the day before. Uh, you know, you're dealing with a new problem, a new issue, a new event, a new plan. Uh, things um, sounds like things were probably pretty interesting on the fly. Yeah, I've I've told all my staff. You know, it's it's cyclical on a monthly basis, but on a day to day basis, anything could happen. You could have a fire alarm go off one day, and then a, a historic flood the next day. Got to be on your toes. I mean, historic flood is no joke in that respect. Uh, we're here uh, just outside of Philadelphia, and we unfortunately had a pretty historic flood. Uh, about a week and a half ago with Hurricane Ida that came through. And I mean, Vince, I'm sure that you're happy that you're no longer in the property manager position at this current time, because I know there are so many buildings and properties um, that received devastating damage as a result of the flood. It's, it's a true heartbreaker. My most recent community uh, is right on Schuylkill and uh it, it reached record stage. So mm-hmm. uh, all of the buildings were about nine feet underwater. That's crazy. And then yeah. that becomes the, the responsibility of the property manager to start leading the efforts and getting game plan in action uh, to get the solution. And it needs to be timely. Because right. the longer you let that sit, the more problems you're going to have. Would you call it a 20... 20- I don't want to say a twenty four seven job, but at, at some points, would you are you were you always kind of aware of what was going on? It's absolutely a twenty four seven job. Okay, you know, you, even if you're putting in 50, 60 hours a week or more, you can still get a phone call at three thirty in the morning that a fire alarm's going off or a stand pipe is leaking or or something of that nature. Always on your toes. That's for sure. Well, you mentioned uh, vendor management here at Vince, which is kind of the main reason why we're here today is because when we think about you know, our listener base and the clients that we work with, we have a lot of contractors who, um, who work with different properties, are looking to prospect and build relationships here. So I kind of want to dive a little bit further um, in, into this particular role. Now, Working with contractors for building maintenance and projects is, a, would you say, of the all of the responsibilities, it's a fairly large part of the role? I would, yeah, it's definitely one of the, the big pillars of the role. Uh, making sure the upkeep of your buildings is tip top is, is paramount. Um, luckily, this is one of the big items that can be delegated. It's more of an oversight um, this would be delegated to a maintenance lead or a maintenance supervisor. Uh, if we're talking in, in Tom Foster's levels of work, this would, this would be a level three task for a property manager. You know, the contractor that you bring in is, is producing quality work. Maintenance supervisor or lead is ensuring that it's accurate and completed. And then the property manager is making sure it's consistent. You know, Andrew is going to love 
Love that reference. Oh yeah, no doubt. I, I connect with Tom Foster as well. And it's, he, he has really good insight. That's awesome. That's a really good um, connection to the levels of work. Thank you for that. Um, and so curb appeal is a, is a pr- also a primary um, priority for any management company as well. I mean, when a, a resident or a future resident or a future guest to a, a hotel property, it, it, how you appear on the outside and then on the inside, that's pretty critical. No doubt. Um, so from a sales perspective, you're going to keep your occupancy high by looking shiny, looking clean. Can we see you from the road? Does it look mm-hmm. like a place that people want to live? Once you live there, then you start to see the infrastructure. You know, is, is your hot water heaters in good shape? Are they by apartment? Are they a cistern for the entire building? Is the mm-hmm. HVAC in good shape? Are the compressors failing? Uh, how are your drain pipes? Do your sprinkler supply lines have issues? Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of items that can come up that are outside the scope of regular maintenance, and you have to contract that out just because of the expertise needed. So how do you go about selecting proposals or, um, or requesting bids for those, those items? Sure. It really depends on the size of job. Uh, for smaller jobs, usually two bids, three bids, sometimes one bid. If you already work with a vendor that you know does great work and gives you a fair price for larger jobs, specifically capital expense jobs that you know are, are a huge chunk of your budget, you're going to need to get three to five bids. Um, and that, that number threshold in terms of cost is usually determined by a corporate office or an owner. Okay. And so you get, so I want to focus more on, on those larger jobs. I mean, especially from a kind of a revenue perspective um, for, for our clients. I mean, good to have the smaller jobs from a maintenance perspective as well. We don't, we want to make sure that those are included, but from a larger job perspective, um, who does become the decision maker and how are you looking at those bids that if you're receiving, you know, up to five, how are you slicing them? For larger jobs, especially capital expense jobs, uh, property manager is going to consolidate all of these bids and then submit them to a corporate office team. That was the case for uh, my regional company that I work for and my national company that I worked for. Um, in terms of the actual proposal, I would say to the contractor that's putting it together, don't be too wordy unless it's absolutely necessary to explain what work needs to get done. Uh, Bullet points work best just so we can have an apples to apples comparison. If we're asking for a specific task to be quoted, we want to see that task and not some additional upsells. Now, upselling is always a good thing, you know, on the contractor side. But what I would say for that is to have a separate quote, Give give an option B quote with the additional features that they could, you know, provide in addition to what was specifically asked for. Now, so you're the, as a, as the property manager, you're consolidating all of these. And like you said, submitting to a corporate office. Um, do you provide any background information regarding how well they communicated or what you know about, about this particular contractor that might help a corporate office make a decision one way or another? 
No question. Yeah, the insight from the property manager, they have their hands in it on a daily basis. So we definitely advocate for which one we think is best. It's not always the cheapest one. Mm-hmm. If we know we get great service and timely responses from one specific vendor, I'm, I'm going to lean towards that one unless the price is drastically different. Um, another big thing too, uh, just from what I've seen, a lot of property managers did not have any kind of maintenance role in their past experience. So the technical knowledge side is not a point of strength for them. So you want to be as a contractor, the communication side is really, really important probably to this property manager who might not have the technical skills, but the technical, you know, items are going to be written out in that proposal as to when the corporate office will make that decision. But the communication factor is huge. And you want that property manager advocating for you as a potential winner of the bid. Exactly. We pause for a quick moment to recognize today's episode sponsor, Groundwork. Groundwork is a virtual sales system for residential contractors. Groundwork helps you avoid tire kickers, save time in the sales process, and focus on your ideal projects. Have you ever driven across town for a sales appointment only to find out that the project is a dud? Or the homeowner has wildly inaccurate expectations for cost and time frame? Groundwork makes it easy for customers to send you high quality videos of their project so that you can qualify your leads before wasting time on an in-person appointment. Groundwork helps you weed out bad leads and leverage text-based communication to engage your ideal customer. Looking to build your brand and stand out from your low-end competition? Groundwork uses your logos and branding in their system so your customers associate this unique and convenient process with your company. Virtual sales might sound complicated, but Groundwork makes it easy. Your customized version of Groundwork can be 100% implemented in less than a week. Training for your team only takes about 30 minutes, and their team is always here to help you get the most out of Groundwork. Contractors all over the country are using Groundwork to get more wins without the runaround. And now back to our episode. So then what are, so what are some mistakes that you've seen um, with contractors at, you know, in working as a property manager that you would advise vendors or contractors to be aware of in working with their teams and training their teams to work well with property managers? Absolutely. This is where we're getting into the nitty gritty. Oh, yes. So the biggest problem that I've seen from from contractors and vendors that that work on site is limited oversight of their on-site teams. The quality control from the teams that are working on site is one of the most important things that they can provide. It's not the duty of the property manager or maintenance supervisor to follow the vendors around making sure that the work is done well and accurately. It's on the vendor themselves. We have our own responsibilities that we have to take care of, and we're contracting this out to get one more thing off of our plate. We're trusting that this is going to be done well. Right. Um, So Another thing I can think of is it's too too frequent, poor interactions with residents. Something to be noted is that an increasing number of of people, you know, in general, have cameras inside their homes. So Mm -hmm. when a contractor or a vendor is doing work inside of a home, working on an HVAC or a hot water heater or replacing a window, you're probably being watched. 
So if you go to sit down on their couch or have a smoke break, they're going to be bringing that video to the property manager and they're not going to be happy about it. Right. Because so many of the times when work is being done in your unit, you're at work for the day and you, you submit a request for something to be done uh, and you, you leave to go to work. The, the appointment is made and they, they, they complete it while you're gone. But if you, you have like, you're, you're absolutely right. We live in this age now where everything is on camera and you need to be prepared that you're on camera. Even if you're not act like you are, don't make that mistake. <laughs> absolutely. To, uh, to get some from the horse's mouth info. Uh, it's, it's a point of pride for me that four of my previous leasing agents have gone on to be uh, assistant property managers or property managers currently. That's awesome. Uh, and they still reach out to me frequently for guidance on situations. And, and I love being able to provide that for them. So in preparation for this podcast, I reached out to them. I said, hey, what what are you seeing right now when you're working with contractors? Is there anything that you want me to mention on this podcast to help contractors avoid? And uh, I, I think I hit on some pain inadvertently. Uh, so some uh, capital letters and exclamation points, don't paint over mold, uh, show up when scheduled, uh, detail your invoices with the right POs, uh, and communication. If you are running behind, let us know. So uh, that is, I couldn't agree more, but it's funny yeah. to, to see that it's, uh, you know, being addressed right now. And we know a lot of clients that we work with, you know, the things that you mentioned are already on their radars. Communication is key, doing the job right, taking care of issues like mold. But we we repeat these and we say these because we want you to know that issues are still being experienced by, because there, there are contractors out there who aren't doing the job right. And this is where you can separate yourself from the CDE level contractors who we don't want <laughs> to be in your properties to the, if we, if we put it in terms of uh, the, the different classes of properties, we want a class A um, vendor coming in or a class B vendor coming in who's going to get the job done right, communicate with the, with the PM, uh, be respectful um, and friendly to your residents because it's all a part of the mix, all, all from the quality of work to how you engage um, and how you communicate is really, really critical. So those were a couple tips, you know, you know, like you said, from the horse's mouth of, you know, assistant PMs in the job right now. So w- what would you say are best ways to be maintaining a healthy working relationship? What are the critical things we're looking at? Of course. Um... I would say being consistent and being reliable. Being timely is huge, but execute what you promise. For instance, you know, detailing what you're actually setting your expectations up front and then delivering on those. If you're promising to remove light switches or including baseboards or painting ceilings or including cleanup, uh, make sure that you do everything that is included in your price. Um, I remember specifically a situation I had a couple of years ago where we weren't getting the, the best performance out of our cleaner. Our cleaner had, was responsible for our apartment turns and our common areas. So I made sure that they were aware of this. They weren't delivering on what they promised. I had to change them, went with another company, tried to save a little money and you get what you pay for, had to change them again. 
I ended up changing cleaners five times over the course of a year until I found one that was actually delivering on what they promised. Um, other tips would be, you know, not to make frequent changes in your price of your a la carte services. If you are providing other things that are outside of a contract, be consistent with it. And if you do have to change prices, give well advanced notice. Those are awesome. I can imagine that the, uh, just thinking of having to change a vendor partner five times in a year is frustrating, but it's worth the work because you want to be able to have a contract that you can trust and know is reliable and just, you know, who can get the job done and you don't have to worry when they've done the job, what kind of complaints that you're going to be receiving or what issues you're going to be having, be having to deal with. And on the vendor side, don't price yourself out of a comfortable profit just to get a job. If you're, if you're lowering your price to try and get a job, but it's not enough to do the job well, then you're doing a disservice to yourself and the property. So kind of sticking in line to, you know, one of the tips that you want are looking for communication and being consistent and being reliable. How often do you want to be hearing from the contractor who is completing the job? This would depend on the project. Um, okay. We need, we need more timely communication uh, on bigger invasive projects, um, things larger in scope or projects that require entry into people's apartments. From a property manager contractor relationship, we are the buffer to the residents. You know, if there's work being done in people's homes, we need to know about that. And we need to know progress of where things are being left off on a daily basis. So we can warn the next wave of residents that, Hey, we're going to be getting to your apartment tomorrow. So please have your alarms turned off, have your pets put away. And if there's any other issues we need to know about, please let us know. You know, I can, I can think of a specific situation where, we are repainting the entry doors to every single apartment. So this requires multiple contractors over the course of, this was about a month project and it directly affects the residents. So I need to know that daily progress so I can communicate with the next wave of people. Communicate, communicate, communicate. There's one of the, if there's one big takeaway you take from this, this conversation is always make sure you're putting an emphasis on the communication factor. So I want to pull back a little bit and kind of come from a different perspective now um, in our last few minutes here talking about uh, those who are prospecting, who want to work with more properties. And so if you're a prospector, you're in business development, you're um, an estimator and you're, this is a, an area that you're looking to add to your, you know, your vendor portfolio. Should contractors be engaging in certain networking groups that property managers are a part of, or how should business development reps be pursuing property managers to win bids? They absolutely can. And if you want to focus on getting more property manager jobs, you definitely should. The largest organizations that we worked with was the NAA, which is the National Apartment Association. Um, your state also has apartment associations. I know specifically Pennsylvania Apartment Association and Delaware Apartment Association from, from locations I've worked in. Um, sometimes, depending on your location, there are local apartment associations as well. Specifically with the National Apartment Association, contractors can become a part of the National Suppliers Council. Um, 
which you know gives them access to uh, the marketing for any property manager that's involved with the NAA. Gives them access to sponsor their uh, their events throughout the year. It's just a huge benefit. That's awesome. So you should be engaging in those networking groups and kind of getting involved both you know statewide um, and locally if they exist. But then, you know, if a business development rep is looking at their strategy, how am I how am I going to really get myself into these different properties that exist within within our territory? Um, how are, how can people be proactive? Well, here's the golden ticket. I think this is why we got people listening right now. Yeah. Uh, being proactive, going to the property manager or the regional manager in some cases, if it's a lot, a lot of times, smaller properties are grouped together with okay. like region, regional manager or a property manager, manager that oversees them all. Um, so you would want to go to them ahead of time and ask, how do I become an approved vendor in your payment system and to be actually performing work on property? I'd recommend doing this without trying to sell anything. This is very informal and just as a service to the property manager. Hey, that way in the future, we're already an approved vendor in your system. We're approved to do work on your property. Do you want a bid? I can get you a bid today and we can start work tomorrow. Obviously the timeline is a little different, but right. the, the potential is there. A lot of you're times- al- It's like you're already stacking your cards in the right direction if you're an approved vendor. Exactly. You, get, you got a couple aces in your hand and you're just waiting for the flop to come down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Po- poker reference. <laughs> but becoming an approved vendor in a payment system, whether the property management is using Yardi or Nexus or any of the other payment- systems that generate POs, it takes time to get entered into that. A lot of times it has to be submitted to a corporate office. There's many forms you have to submit as a contractor, your W-9, your insurance, your workers comp. Um, With my national, Trinity Property Consultants was my national company that I was working for. We also had uh, responsibility acknowledgements, uh, self-certifications. So forms that essentially said the contractor is coming onto property if they do anything out of the ordinary or damage something, it's on them. Um, but it does take a little while to process. So getting that out of the way first allows you to get work on the back end a lot faster. Really smart. And what about um, kind of knowing, you know, you, you're going after certain properties where you want to become an approved vendor. How can you um, kind of, begin to get a grasp of what properties look like so that when bids, bid opportunities do arise, that you're able to jump to jump on that. And it's not going to take you weeks to get a bid. You can produce a bid quicker. Absolutely. So when you're asking to become an approved vendor, also ask to see floor plans. Usually there's some mm-hmm. sort of paperwork and hands out, handouts that we give to our sales leads. So ask for the floor plans. Ask if you can tour those floor plans. Because if you're just going by square footage, you don't know what you really have to deal with in there. It could be a strange layout. It could be 20-foot ceilings. Um, Best case scenario is to take a look at these floor plans, make notes for yourself, estimate what it's going to cost for every single one of these floor plans, and have a one set price. This allows for quicker quotes, and it allows for consistency, uh, not just on the on the contractor side, but on the property manager side, if I've got 
15 apartments that I need to turn in the next 20 days, I can send you an email and say, hey, I've got a Sullivan floor plan. I've got a DeKalb floor plan. I've got two of these, three of these. And it's very easy to price out and get an approved quote back. That's an important thing to know. I hope I, and we think about, again, the takeaways from this, communicate being one of them, but the proactive piece about becoming an approved vendor and asking for floor plans, um, that's huge. Good, good, good pro tip. Good pro tip from the Vince Christie effect. Yeah, you uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's wrap this up, Vince. You know who, as we pull back one, one last time, um, and still from a prospecting standpoint, who should prospectors and biz dev folks look to target? Yeah, this is this is key. So easiest access into an apartment community to get some work would be properties that have recently changed owners. So ones that have sold. Um, this is usually public record. And a lot of times it's in the news because it's a big deal when a property sells. We're, we're talking millions of dollars. Um, I was part of a transition team uh, in 2015. That property sold for $32 million. I was part of a takeover um, in 2019. That property was purchased for $70 million. So it's we're talking large numbers here that's going to be in the news. It's easy to see. And the ones that change hands are more likely to change vendors also. Um, also properties with new property managers. If you want to take it a step further and from a prospecting perspective, go on Indeed, go on Monster, see where jobs are posted for community managers, property managers, and visit them in a month or two when the new property manager is there they're going to be much more likely to bring in vendors of their own choosing as well. That's, uh, that's like getting investigative. I really, I like that. That's diving in, that's diving in deep. Oh, we get, we got to try everything. Yeah. Get some business, right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, and so, so we talked about who we're going after. Uh, we talked about, you know, getting their attention, if, you know, from the approved, become the approved vendor first. Of course. Yeah. To, to get their attention, become an approved vendor first. Um, it, when the property manager is choosing a contractor, generally the first choice is going to be someone that's already approved to do work on their property and already in their payment system. So you, as a contractor, you can use this as leverage to get into other communities in the property management company as well. So property management companies share the same payment system. So if there are multiple properties in an area you can use that to just easily do work at any one of them. And be sure to deliver promises. I think that's a final takeaway that we need to, to kind of mention here is you stick to your word, stick to what the invoice, to what the, uh, the proposal said, because that's your chance, especially if this is your first time around at that property and you don't kind of hit all, all the bullet points Um you're kind of one and done, right? Like you're not, you're not going to give that contractor another chance if they've messed up the project. Absolutely. If, if there's a company that specifically is not delivering, I know I can give you a couple of examples right now. I don't work with, well, I didn't work with specific painters because they dropped the ball one too many times. And I would advocate that to all my other property managers in my region hey, you might not want to work with these people because they don't deliver good service. So if we had to put a bow on it, I would say keep your quotes clear, simple, explain when necessary. 
Uh, get the floor plans ahead of time and get all set prices for all-inclusive prices based on each floor plan. Because after all, when someone moves into an apartment, they're going to see everything with fresh eyes and they're going to spot those imperfections. I love it. And I, I think that last part you too, you just mentioned about y- y- if you have a bad experience, you're going to share that with other folks in your industry and people talk. Bad work spreads like wildfire. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Vince, thank you so much. I think this was a really great informative uh, episode. I personally learned a few things, um, d- you know, just from the the inside eyes of what property managers deal with and how to really get in, maintain, build relationships. Um, I certainly think that there are some really good takeaways from here. Any last and final words, tips or recommendations? Yeah, thanks for having me, Mal. Uh, I hope that people can take away from this podcast that we, we're an advocate for property managers and for contractors to get more business and for them to work better together. Right. At the end of the day, this is, this is why this is a focus is because we, we, if you understand both sides and both perspectives and what's important to each each side, you're able to really help formulate um, a better relationship. And I will say, if there are any questions about this topic in particular, or if you are kind of working in the biz dev role and want to talk to us about working with property managers and some tips around it, please reach out to us. That's what we're here for. You can send us an email at info at nolancd.com and we will get Vince involved because he is our resident expert here on the the property manager world. Uh, But Vince, thank you so much again. I look forward to having you back. Thanks, Ma. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.